Shalom, my friends. I pray that all is well in your quadrant of 21st century Babylon. It's been a few days since I, Jim Martin, have been able to broadcast, but now we are able to resume our study in Daniel chapter 9 and of the general topic of believing and behaving in Babylon. I think I may have related last time that at a gathering of a dear friend's house over on the east coast of our country, I mentioned that I was teaching on how to believe and how to behave in 21st century Babylon. And one of the attenders of that party was quite shocked to even think of the idea that we are living in Babylon. But I think every one of us that's paying attention to the the times and to especially the Word of God recognizes that that is indeed where we are and how we're living today. So, uh, if you will take your copy of Scripture and turn to Daniel's prophecy chapter 9, we're only going to cover the first half of that, and this is the great prayer of the prophet Daniel. And I guess I'm titling this session, What Are You Going to Do When the Prophecies Come True? Pray with me. Father God, we come to you in the precious holy name of Jesus. And I pray for everyone who is living and some are struggling, some are thriving, some are just in absolute confusion about where a person who is following you and trying to be obedient to your commands, where we fit in in a 21st century culture all over this world. And I know that this broadcast is being heard or will be heard and listened to in many countries throughout the world. Uh, Many who are in much better shape than we are in the United States and some which are very much in worse conditions. Even some of your servants are being persecuted even to the death, even as we speak. So we pray for your favor, your strength, your mercy, your peace, your courage to be upon each one of us as we face the certain consequences of living in purposeful sin or even in ignorant sin, ignorance of your laws and your plan and your design. Oh, Father, guide us. Now, as we begin this study, I pray that you would take the fumbling and halting voice of your servant here and be able to communicate your truth to the people who happen to listen. These things we ask in thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Daniel chapter 9. Now, the previous two sessions that we mentioned, chapters 7 and 8, chronologically occurred before the events of chapter 5 of Daniel. Uh, We've mentioned that the book is not in chronological order necessarily. But now we do another time jump. And we are in the during the reign of, of Darius the Mede. We mentioned before that Darius was probably not his proper name, but a rather a title, a role he was playing in the Medo-Persian Empire. He is said to be the son of Asherias. And so we will have a look at that today. Again, we're trying to extract the principles of this section of scripture. So let's begin. Get back to Daniel 9 here. 
And I'm gonna I'm gonna begin reading in verse one of Daniel chapter nine, and you follow along in your copy of scripture in whatever language or translation speaks most clearly to your heart. In the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus, the media of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books, he's talking in the scriptures, in the writings, uh, the Tanakh to my Jewish friends, the number of years which were revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Now, if you care to, you can flip back over to Jeremiah chapter 39, and you can see that prophecy clearly delineated there in verse 10 of Jeremiah 29. He said, look, uh, you're being told all kinds of frankly, garbage by these false prophets. What's going to happen is the Babylonians are going to come in. They're going to take you captive. They're going to kill some of you. Some of you are going to die from disease and famine. But many of you will indeed be transported over into Babylon, where you will live for 70 years. There's nothing you're going to do about it. Why? Because I, the Lord God Almighty, am orchestrating this whole thing. For the protection, also for the discipline of my people. I'm going to provide for my people, that remnant that survives. They're in Babylon, and I'm going to protect them. I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to give them direction. Uh, They should build houses, marry, have children, raise a family. And after 70 years, you'll be allowed to come back. Not too surprisingly, where did... The Lord come up with that seven, that number 70. Well, of course, he's sovereign. He can put any number he wants. But the fact is, 70 is the jubilee. And so after the jubilee, after the lands has had its rest, and after you, my people, have had your rest, you have ceased from your labors and from your avarice and from your idolatry and from your, your overt sinning in the land of Judea. You are going to be... Put on a forced fast, as it were, from your previous life and the sinful culture that's risen up within you and around you. My friends, quite frankly, I think we could we could look at the circumstances to our culture, wherever you are today, in November of 2021, and say we are in about the same condition. Why God doesn't take us into exile, where... There's a number of reasons for that that we don't have time to go into. But here the prophet Daniel, who had served several kings, several regimes faithfully, he had been tested and found genuine, as had his friends, his colleagues, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. They had all been found faithful. And so the prophet now is reading Scripture. He's reading the Canaan, the the Tanakh, the, the great writings of God's people. And in, in verse 3, So I gave my attention, says Daniel, gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So Daniel's response to the realization that the 70 years prophesied through Jeremiah had come to fulfillment. It was time for the next stage in the journey of God's people. How did he respond? Did he jump up and start dancing and shouting jubilation? No. He 
fell on his face in prayer, abjectly humbled himself. Prayers and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. What did Paul write to the church at Thessalonia? He says, he says, pray without ceasing. What did Paul write to his beloved church at Philippi? He says, says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. Don't be all distraught about what you see. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make a request known to God. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request, your needs, be known to God. Simply agree with God about your needs. You don't have to inform Him. Just agree with Him and give Him thanks that He is attending to your needs. So let's press on in in Daniel 9 verse 4 here. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. So step one in in an effective prayer when we recognize that God's promises and His prophecies are coming true before our very eyes. Our step one is confession. Agreeing with God about the condition of our people, our nation, our world. I confessed and said, alas, oi. The the Hebrew word would be, oi, alas, oh, my Lord. I'm not sure English has a, an equivalent word for that. The great and awesome God. He's he's exalting God here. He Even during his confession, he is exalting God. He's lifting him up. He's bragging on God. Who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Okay, he's prefacing, prefacing his confession with praise. You see this? This is praise. You say, well, I'm not sure I understand what praise is. Well, read the book. Look at Daniel chapter four, chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. It is an instruction pamphlet on praise. Okay, so you are the great God, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. He says, you are a faithful God. You are a promise keeper. Oh my goodness. And here comes the confession in verse 5. Here it is. We have sinned. Okay, it's real easy for you and me to look at our country today, even our family, even our our neighbors, and say, oh yes, Lord, they have sinned. But he didn't use they. He used we. He said we, plural, we have sinned. First person plural here. We have sinned. We have committed iniquity. These are things that are clearly wrong. Who says they're wrong? God says they're wrong. He says thou shalt not. But he also says thou shalt. And when we don't, it's the same as a not. We have committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. He says this is a... This is kind of a categorical overview of what we've done to put us where we are. We we have been in Babylon for 70 years. And this is why. Because we have sinned. We have committed iniquity. That doesn't mean we just forgot to do stuff. 
We went out and overtly and covertly did it. Okay, moreover, he says in in verse 6, that's not all. That's not all. I'm not finished confessing yet. Here it is. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Okay, I'm recording this on a, a Sunday. Are we listening to the to the preachers today? Now, not all preachers are God's preachers. I will agree with that. But I'm telling you, my friend, you pray for wisdom and discernment, and you listen to what the what the people are saying out there. If they're taking their message from the Word of God, then you listen. Okay. And he says, we heard, but we didn't listen. We didn't hear them with an intent to obey. That's where we are today, okay? Those prophets spoke in your name to our kings, in your name, under your authority, in your place. They spoke to those who are, were our political leaders, the kings, the princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. We didn't listen. They didn't listen. We didn't listen. We're guilty by association. We are guilty. Verse 7, righteousness belongs to you, O God. This is a statement of fact. Where do you find righteousness? It's not in your behavior. It's in the person and character and presence of God in and over your life. That's where you find righteousness. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord. But to us, what's our part? What do we get? Open shame. Now, my friends, I don't know how you confess your sins, but here it is. If you're sincere about this, if you really understand and own up, take responsibility for infractions of God's character, not just breaking rules. Come on, we're beyond that. We're not talking about just breaking rules. We're talking about violating the very character, even the very name of our God. That's what we're talking about. And as a result, to us, we don't get any honor. We get open shame. We get open shame. As it is this day, to the men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, to those who are nearby and those who are far away in the countries to which you have driven them, you've scattered your people, just like you said you would. Why? Because of our iniquity, of our, because of our sin, because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. My friends, this is confession. That's what it is. What are we going to do? Are we going to confess our sins and the sins of our nation, the sins of our churches? And you say, well, my goodness, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I know what the sins of our nation and our church. Yes, those those fools in, in Washington or Bucharest or or London or wherever you're listening there in, in Nairobi and you know and yeah that they're they're sin they're terrible. No. I'm talking about our sin how did those people get there? Uh, in our country they were elected. The population of our country put them there. And so we we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Now, I'm not I'm not trying to be political here. I'm telling you the truth. This is how it is before God, and we better own up to it. We better take responsibility and say, Lord God, if we are in trouble, it's our own fault. God forgive us. Mm. Indeed, all Israel, he said. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out upon us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God. He says, you told us all this. 
says, if you obey my, my commandments, if you live according to my design and my principles of life, then life is going to be good for you. If you violate those principles, life is not going to be good. You're going to suffer. And this is what's happening to us. You're going to suffer. Verse 12. Thus he, can, he, capital H, God, has confirmed his words which he's spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there's not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. You say, okay, we're not, we're not Israelis. And Jerusalem is a thriving city today. Are we talking about municipalities? Or are we talking about spiritual state of affairs in the people? God's not so interested in municipalities. Okay, he, okay, Jerusalem is special to him. But again, it's the spiritual state of Jerusalem. And we, just as we are living in the spiritual state of Babylon. My friends, this is dangerous stuff. Dangerous stuff. And therefore the Lord, in verse 14, has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done. But we have not obeyed his voice. Just a statement of fact. And now, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself. We're bragging on God again here. This is what you've done. Have you articulated and documented what God's done for you? explicitly not just general blessings and a a general welfare of being in your life have you specifically assigned uh, your state of affairs to god's blessing has he done for you anything i think it'd be good for a good exercise for you for your family if you if you're living in a family to sit down and say what has god done for us no no specifically not in general not just he's given us another day to live. Okay, granted, we're alive by God's grace. But specifically, what has he done? What has he done? What has he done for you lately? That's what we need to start bragging on God about. That's what we need to thank him for. Not just thank you for the food on our plate, but really thank you. There are people in this world that are starving right now. I thank you, my Lord God, for your mercy and grace, for your favor in providing nourishment for my body today. Don't let me take it for granted. Let me use my body for your glory in the strength that you've given. Okay, verse 16. Uh, Well, let's go back to 15. Now, O Lord, our God, you have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself. You've become famous. I remember praying over one of my little grandsons when he was about four years old. And his mom asked me to put him to bed. I was, I guess, grandpa. I was a grandson sitting that night. And I remember praying over him. And he was awake and watching me pray. And I say, oh, my Lord and my God, I pray for this boy. That he would grow to make you famous in this world. And that's what I I still pray for my grandchildren. And for my my daughters and their husbands. I pray that that we would all make God famous in this world. So now our Lord, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. For your sake, O Lord, let your face shine upon your desolate sanctuary. 
Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations within the city which is called by your name. We are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. Now, he didn't even get to say amen. And next week, we're going to look at how God just showed up while he was confessing. So now, my my friends, are we going to be sincere in our prayer? Or is it just a bullet point on the agenda of our day? What's it going to be? All right, let's look at what Daniel did. He humbled himself before God. He confessed. He simply agreed with God. He looked at the situation of his people and his nation and holy city, and he agreed with God about their condition and the reason. Okay, can we look around, not ascribe a value based on our economy or the absence of warfare at the, at this second Uh, But can we say we are living in accordance to God's commands and his plan? No, we are not. I think if we agree with God about that, can we agree to agree with God? Can we agree to confess our sins and then look to him as our home, as our only hope? My friends, God is our only hope. You realize that, do you not? God is our only hope. And the only way we're going to make it out anywhere close to how he wants us to is by abandoning the ways of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Let's get rid of that as our uh, base motivations. And let's begin, how do I please God today? Lead me in the paths of your righteousness for your name's sake. That's what Daniel was concerned about. Did you catch that? Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. And look at verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. Do you call yourself a Christian, a follower of the way, a follower of Jesus the Nazarene? Is that what you call yourself? And you know that your very life is a, you You are living as his ambassador here on earth. You represent his great name. Look at our lives, my friends. How faithful is that? How faithful are our lives to bringing him glory? And then finally, he asks for forgiveness. He is our only hope. We need forgiveness. Jesus the Christ died in our place on our behalf so that we might know God through him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin, he had not sinned. He who knew no sin, he was not acquainted with it. He was not involved in it. He became sin on our behalf. For what purpose? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. My friends, it's time. The last point here is supplication. Let your requests be known to God. What are we going to pray for? For the nation in which we live. The nation, the province, the state, the family, the community. What are we going to pray? Is there something 
that we can ask God to do that will make him famous and that will reconcile people to himself, that will destroy the kingdom of empire and the philosophy of empire and restore shalom, God's peace. That's what we should be doing. And that's the essence of Daniel chapter 9, the first 19 verses. My friends, we better get serious. Confess the sins of our nation. Yes, we're killing babies by the thousands every day throughout this world. But that's not all. We have no concept of true justice. The Hebrew justice meshpot, restorative, restoring those who are destitute to God's shalom. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity and the freedom and the wherewithal to come to you today. Now, my Lord and my God, take what we've studied this morning and burning it, uh, this day and, and burn it into the hearts of the people there. These things we ask in Jesus' precious holy name. And we thank you for hearing us. Amen. Are you gonna? Are you expecting God to act? My friends, we better start living expectantly. Friends in, in Eastern Africa, let's just close with this. Yesu Nibwana, Jesus is Lord. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and may the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen and amen.